friends um hey i just want to say if if i have friends leaving comments uh they're not coming through this morning my uh system seemed to be a little wonky this morning uh in terms of the controller for that, that controls the sending out the stream uh, of this uh, to the various applications. So I do apologize if you are leaving comments. I'm just simply not seeing them here this morning. So I, I can't interact with them uh, directly. So I'm just wanting you to know that. And my apologies to all. Uh, you may have questions. You may have comments. Uh, some of you are maybe saying good morning uh, there in, in the... In the Facebook world, in fact, let me try to get to Facebook world and see. 
what is happening there and uh, see if I can see what's happening. But I will get teaching on here in just one moment. And there are those of you who are listening who are not. uh, uh, I have so many pages now. Uh, There we go. Some of you who are listening later on and not live, uh, you, I believe I'm seeing some, yes, you were there. So Michael, Melody, uh, I'm at least seeing that much of you there. Uh, Maybe Don, you could message me if you're there and let me know if, if everything is working appropriately okay well i'm going to teach you can see me you can hear me we're we're in luke chapter 10 and i'm going to get us over into luke chapter 10 friends that are listening this is this is live Uh, this is uh, not pre-recorded not edited so if you're listening later to the podcast or viewing this on youtube if it's there and or uh, Facebook, just know that this is not edited. You get the real raw thing as it flows out. So um, my apologies to, to you. Meantime, let's jump into Luke chapter 10. I cut out for a second because I'm going to sneeze. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Of course, you always go back in the chapter to see what was preceding this and everything that we've been, we spent five sessions covering in chapter, uh, chapter 9 is what it's referring to. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Now, you could read this a couple different ways. Oftentimes people read this after, after this, the Lord appointed, uh, 72 others in addition to the 12. So you do the math, you add them together, 72 plus others, which would be the 12 would be seven, that uh, would be 84. And that's how I usually uh, regard this as being. Um, 84 who are sent out or 12 originally. And then he sends out 72 others, but in total there are 84 who are sent out. We see a multiplication effect here. Uh, and this is one of the things in my estimation, my opinion that, that lacks here in, in the West is we don't see multiplication as we see it in many other places in, in the world. Uh, very fast tracked growth happening. Uh, and much multiplication happening. And there, there is certainly language about multiplication, uh, that comes up in a few places here in America, like exponential.org. If you look at them and that's one of the things they talk, even the name exponential, uh, indicates their thought. And it's, it's a large, large, large church planting, um, I would even call what they're doing a movement in, in some ways. Now, some, if you get very precise about what is a movement, you would say, well, it's not a movement, it's an organization. 
But the way that they've grown and the impact they've had on church planting has been substantial. It has been exponential. And they're one of the ones that has raised the, the, the issue, the question of multiplication. Uh, we settled to go to church and say our little prayers and uh, hear our little sermons and sing our little songs. Uh, and we're all happy with that. Uh, now, I, I know I'm sounding diminutive this morning uh, about those things. I've been a leader of those things for 36 years, and, and I will tell you that uh, we should not be content to go to church and to say our little prayers and sing our little songs and hear our little sermons. Uh, we should have hearts that are broken for the harvest field that is out there because this is what Jesus has pointed to. I'll take us to three passages this morning where he talks about the harvest field, and we are sent for the harvest field. We're left here on this earth. For the harvest field, the reason of the Lord didn't just, the moment that we trusted Christ, it just suck us out of here and take us to heaven was because of the harvest field. So we get into verse 2, and that's the very thing he talks about. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Talks about the plentiful harvest. He talks about the few workers. We see this issue here in America, the few Workers, and, and we need to see the lid lifted on this uh, and, and to understand, and we will see it here in the next few verses that he's talking to them. Then he says, oh, guess what? By the way, I'm sending you. So don't just sit there and pray your prayer and say, well, somebody else go. No, you are the one who was sent. You and I are sent to do the gospel, to, to share the gospel, to communicate the gospel. Luke ten two. the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Then look at the very next word. He says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. You go, I'm sending you. Uh, now, some would say, well, this he doesn't mean this for all Christians. This is just for a select few. Well, wait a minute. Now, he has gone from eight, from 12 to 84. Now, we may have different styles. We may have different approaches. Some of you have incredible gifts of hospitality, welcome people to your homes, cook meals, bake breads, uh, make fantastic desserts and entertain people and use that gift as your going gift by inviting people to your table, not to church. We're, we're living a day folks where, uh, listen, we, we got to stop thinking about, we got to invite people to church. No, you need to invite them to your table first. Uh, you, you need to invite them to, to a table in a restaurant first. You, you, you need to build a relationship with them first. Uh, we're, we're past the days of all oh, invite them to church. People are not ripe for church. They're ripe for a relationship, and we need to get into relationships with people. And you're saying, Pastor, you're being hard on us. No, I'm just speaking the truth. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who have been turned off, burned by the church over the years, and or they've heard all kinds of nasty rumors, and media has hijacked words like evangelical and Christian. So people have a... Uh, a, a disparaging view already, a, a negative view of Christianity. So we need to learn how to go out and how do we go? We go maybe by inviting them to our home. Uh, we go maybe by inviting them to go to an event, not a church event with us. 
we, we, we go by building a relationship. We go by being a part of the farmer's market, United Farmer's Market. We go by, by running a business. We go by doing these things. And, 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 but to realize our sentness, friends, and we are all sent. Now, let me reference a few other passages here. So Luke 10, 2 tells us about the harvest field. Matthew chapter 9 tells us about the harvest field. And this is similar passage here in Matthew chapter 9 to what we are reading in Luke chapter 10. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Notice he went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Don't confuse the synagogue with the temple. They are not the same thing. Preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So the good news that we have of the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God brings to us, forgiveness, cleansing, transformation, a wonderful family, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, a global family, all that we get by being a part of the kingdom of God. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So what should be our response to the crowds? Our response to the crowds would be a response of compassion to the crowds. That would be our response. Still no comments here. Uh, And then it says this. He had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, to look around at the world around us and and see how people are in that state. Now, uh, politically, I I mean, if you were to go to Russia, uh, if you were to go to North Korea, if you were to go to China, uh, or if you were to go to some some other uh, Muslim-controlled countries, you may see this very thing, people being harassed and helpless. I mean, we're not so harassed and helpless in America as we think we might be. We still have it pretty good here in America. But there are countries where where they don't have access to foods, uh, where, where the government makes it hard. And in the days that Jesus walked the earth, certainly the, the Romans made it very, very challenging uh, for the people. And in that sense, they were harassed. They had all these Roman soldiers. We don't have people walking around with machine guns in our in our towns like they had uh, centurions walking around with swords in their towns who could demand things of people. We don't have that here in America, at least not in most places in America. So we are not harassed and helpless quite like they were in that day, but there are places in the world today where people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he says this, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So this is another passage where he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. We are told to ask the Lord. We should be praying for global missions, but then we should realize, and you go over to Matthew chapter 10, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave him authority, and he sends out, it says down here in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So this is back to the sending of the 12. But even as he says to them, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, he then turns to them and goes, 
guess what, guys? You are the answer to your own prayers. Uh, you will answer the prayer. Now, and one other passage that talks about this is over in John chapter 4. I'll take us over to John chapter 4, uh, and we can take a look at uh, one other place where this language of the harvest is mentioned. And this is the passage where Jesus has uh, spoken to the, the woman at the well, uh, and then to the all the town folk who came out to her, the Samaritans who came out to her, came out with her to Jesus. She went in and told them and brought out many of the, the, the people who lived in, in that region to hear from Jesus. Now, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says these words, do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Now, friends, this isn't the grim reaper we're talking about here. This is this is Jesus. This is the Savior. He's speaking about reaping people for eternal life, the crops being reaped for eternal life. So then verse 37 says, thus the saying, one sows, another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And it says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony where she said, he told me everything I did. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. The the harvest fields in that area, the harvest fields in Samaria were ripe for people to come to Jesus. Now, what about in our day? Yeah, I, I think in, in some senses, people are more close to our, our typical approach to presenting the gospel. I don't. Sometimes I do wonder if people are as close to the gospel as we think. I think they're maybe more close to us saying, hey, come to church. Uh, yes, we need to get people involved in, in healthy, growing, flourishing churches. That's true. But, friends, we have to get to the point where we realize that isn't the starting point with most people in American culture. We need to back way, way up and build relationships. We need to do eternal CPR. We need to cultivate, plant, reap. In fact, Perhaps even some of you who are listeners would say, look, I'm just, I'm not ready for the church. I am ready for Jesus. I'm open to Jesus. In fact, some of you might even say, I love Jesus and and I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not ready for the church. That may be some of you. And I would, I would encourage you, you know, if you might, might be ready for the institutional church as we have it, where we vote and do all those things, but but to be a part of a group, and you know, this is where we need to raise up more groups, more homes, open more homes, have more studies, have more prayer in more homes, because people may be much more ready for that than they are going to the institutional church in America today. Uh, and we we lived through that the era, we lived through the time where people said, well, just go to church. We're not there, folks. It, it's, it's a different time, post-Christian, post-modern thought. Uh, leaves many saying, I, I, I am interested in spiritual things, but I'm not interested in what you're trying to get me to do with the institutional church. 
Now, again, I pastored an institutional church for 36 years. I, I, I'm, I'm not against institutional church, but I, but I am pro-harvest, and I realize that right now the two don't mix together. Uh, the church needs to continue. Uh, what, one fine example of a church in our area uh, that I will point to is Central Church in Augusta and China. They find all kinds of ways to get out and serve the community. And because they're out in the community, because they're out serving the community, that opens gospel doors for them. And I think many churches could take a cue from what uh, what they do uh, and, and how they reach out and minister to the community. I think that people are much more open to spiritual conversation. I think people are much more open to relationships than we might give culture credit for. Uh, but the problem is our starting point is the doors of the church. We need to back way, way up from that and, and realize the starting point is, is at our dining room table or, or at a restaurant table or, or building relationship with people and, and letting them see Jesus in our lives and letting them encounter Jesus in our lives and, um, and saying, there's something about you. What is it? And I say, well, it's Jesus. Uh, you know, too often we want to just go bam right to the gospel and, and start preaching to people about repentance. Now, some might be ready for that. And for some who have that wiring to be able to do that, please do that. But I think there are a lot more people who are ready to engage in a relationship with, uh, with us and, and want a relationship with us. Uh, and, and they might be a little slower coming to Jesus, but when they come to Jesus, they come to Jesus. Now, let me take us back to Luke and, and continue a little bit further, at least in this little section. And um, this is similar to what we looked at in chapter 9, although I do want to emphasize a few other aspects here. Verse 2 said that the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And the very next word, chapter 10, verse 3, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, I think one of the other things we need to realize is it may be difficult. We're sent like lambs. We're to be pure. Uh, we're, we're not to take the same wolven tactics that uh, wolves would take. Uh, we're, we're not to be misleading. We're not to be disingenuous. We're uh, we're, we're to be pure, innocent lambs. And we need to realize that there may be those who want to eat us up as well. As we try to communicate the gospel, there will be people who will uh, castigate us, who will speak negatively of us, who do not want to receive our message. That is also true. Two things. He's saying the harvest is plentiful. There are people ready to respond. There are people ready to be harvested, but yet there are also wolves. You're going to have to deal with both, both the harvest and with the wolves. He says when you enter, uh, no, I jumped ahead a verse. Verse 4, he says, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet uh, anyone on the road. In other words, don't get sidetracked is what he is saying. And he says, do not take a purse or bag or sandals here in this verse. Uh, what he is driving at is that the resources for what you're going to do are in the harvest. This is tough. This is hard. I, I, I wrestle with this. I, I like knowing I've got a steady paycheck. Uh, I like knowing, you know, that my bills are paid. I like knowing, of 
course, this is one reason to not own things. This is one reason to not have any debt, uh, which unfortunately we have debt. Uh, then you, you have much more freedom to go. Uh, I mean, contemporary culture is so much different than their culture in that we borrow for a house and we borrow for a car and we use a credit card or we have student loans or we have, you know, we have util- utility bills we have to pay and all these different things. Uh, so it's more of a concern to us in, in a contemporary culture. But you look at verse 4 again, not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not agree anyone on the road. The idea of not taking the, the bag or the purse or the sandals is, is I'm going to provide for you what you need. And, and, oh, Lord, help me to have more confidence in believing that. And then again, in verse 4, he says, do not agree any, any, anyone on the road. In other words, get to it. Don't get sidetracked. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Now, a man of peace, a person of peace. This is a person that we're looking at in verse 6 who will open their home to the gospel. They're going to open their home to you and say, uh, please stay with us. Uh, or you might live at your house at 420 Augusta Road, Belmont, Maine, and they're going to say, hey, you can have a study at my house. Come speak to people at my house. I will open my house. I will invite my friends. Come speak here. That's a person of peace. Uh, in, in missiological terms, in church planting terms, we're always looking for the person of peace, the person who is outside the church or in an unchurched region who will open their home to the gospel, invite people to their home to hear the gospel, uh, and they're, in that sense, a friend of the gospel. You know, how many of us would be that person of peace that, that would open our home? Now I can press into something called Discovery Bible Studies or the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course is meant not to be taught. Well, it can be taught at a church, but meant better to be taught at a home. Or Discovery Bible Study, where you invite people, maybe a few Christians and some non-Christians, say, look, we just want to uh, have a fresh look at what does the Bible mean? I mean, what's it say? And are you curious about the Christian life? This this is not a study that's going to point its finger at you and say, you know, you must repent. I, but it's it's a study that's going to say, what can we learn? How do we understand the Bible? Now, as we understand the Bible, the Bible itself is going to tell us we must repent. But some people get scared away. You're going to try to get me convinced on the first night. Nope. We're not going to try to convince you on the first night. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to open the Bibles and discover what the Bible has to say, and you are going to have to make a decision about how you deal with it. That is what would traditionally be called a discovery Bible study. Let me finish this section. Stay in the house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. In other words, your wages are going to come. Your your provisions are going to come out sharing the gospel. Then he says, do not move around from house to house. In other words, establish a place, stay there, teach there. And then it says, when you enter a town uh, and are welcome to eat what is set before you, he, this is the second time he said this. There's another aspect to this, the idea of eating what is set before you. It's, it's important for us to be able to fellowship, to break bread, to accept what they give us. And so if you go to a different culture uh, as a missionary, uh, eat what they eat. Now, <laughs> I turned down the fish. Uh, the way that they cooked the fish when I was in South Sudan, I just couldn't stomach it at all. 
but they had other food. So I said, I'll pass the, on the fish, but I'll take these other items. This is just fine. And, uh, but as much as we can to eat what is put before us, to enjoy it, but the, also the idea of learning to break bread with people, uh, you know, it doesn't hurry up and eat so we can get to fellowship. It's let's eat for three hours and enjoy fellowship as we eat. Heal the sick who are there and, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Minimally, even if it's not the healing of the sick, we can pray for those who are sick. We can pray for those who are troubled. We can do that. Uh, and then it's up to the Lord to heal and to answer those prayers. To tell people the kingdom of God is near you, that's what we need to do. He says, but when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. It doesn't change the fact whether they accept the message or not. The kingdom of God is near, and I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town to a place to people who reject the gospel uh I mean they're they're gonna be in a they're gonna be in a worse place than Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. What's the message? The kingdom of God is near. That's the message that we have to give to people. The kingdom of God can come live within you in the form of Jesus as you trust in Jesus, as you open your heart to Jesus. The kingdom of God is how near right within you. That's how close the kingdom of God is. And if you don't respond to the kingdom of God and to the message, the kingdom of God is still near. Friends, we, we have a gospel to communicate. We have a gospel to share. You know, we, we need to stop just doing the same thing, getting the same results. We need to say, how do we need to do things differently so that we can be more fruitful and more effective in the harvest field? What the American church did for a hundred years worked for a hundred years. It no longer works, and we have to think of things differently in terms of how we evangelize than invite them to church. We are sent to go, and to go isn't just to go to South Sudan or somewhere else. We are sent to go to our neighbor. We're sent to open our homes to our neighbor. We're sent to meet our neighbor at at Darby's or Bell the Cat or Angler's or subway or wherever it might be to communicate the gospel well friends here we are it's it's already the end of the half hour it's time for me to stop we'll pick back up tomorrow Uh, and there are more lessons that we will learn about our sentness i want to wish you a great day today may it be a good one lord help us to walk with you to glorify you to build the kingdom for your glory in jesus name Amen.